Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jason takes it himself, look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. Welcome back here to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Marov. The month of August is in full swing. The season is scheduled to start in one month. Texans vs. Chiefs, September 10th, Thursday night. And that also means that we are getting close to fantasy football drafts. You know, I'm a big fantasy guy. I'm sure all of you love playing as well. There's actually a good chance when you originally followed me on Twitter, it was because you thought the My Sports Update Twitter page is a great way for you to keep track of all your fantasy leagues and what's going on in the NFL. So it was only right for this week's episode, as you all prepare for your drafts, to bring someone who lives and breathes fantasy football. It is Evan Silva of EstablishTheRun.com. He is my guest for this week's episode as he shares his thoughts on sleepers, players to avoid, players he likes, strategies, and much, much more. It's that time of year. I'm always getting tweets and DMs about fantasy. We've become a fantasy football society, and it was only right to have him come on. It was a really great discussion with him with a bunch of interesting nuggets that you can take with you before you start drafting. Before we go to Evan, a quick word from our sponsors. Sundays, Sundays, Sundays. They're coming back in the NFL, and with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv, you could stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Again, visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. This week's episode is also brought to you by DealDash.com. It is the best and most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over one thousand auctions every single day on electronics appliances and more and here's how it works it's like an auction but every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid the kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds that means every time you bid Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item belongs to you. It is yours. If you go ahead and you go and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra one hundred free bids upon sign up on top of all their other great discounts go to dealdash.com and use the offer code update u-p-d-a-t-e or dealdash.fm slash update again that is dealdash.fm slash update 
Alright, so now here is my full discussion with Evan Silva of EstablishTheRun.com. You guys are always asking me questions about who to draft, who not to draft, who to avoid, who's a sleeper. Especially in a year like this where we do have COVID, where things will be so different. There are going to be some different type of strategies you want to go with. So a lot of that will be discussed with Evan. So here it is, my full discussion with Evan Silva. All right, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast, he's one of the top fantasy experts out there, someone whose work I have a lot of respect for. He is the co-founder of EstablishTheRun.com, Established the Run Podcast as well. It is Evan Silva. Evan, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? Ari, thanks for including me on your all-star run of your just murderer's row of uh, podcast guests. I'm, I'm honored and, and privileged to be a part of them. I've listened to them religiously, you know, Schefter, Mike Reese, uh, Sharp. I mean, you have had an, an absolute all-star cast of, of podcast guests, and um, thanks for inviting me on. No problem, and I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, Evan, I told you this before we started, but... I've been following your work for a very long time. The things you've done at Established Iran and before that with Rotor World, it's been impressive to see. And we'll talk about that as well later on. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is because my DMs on Twitter, it's open, right? And the amount of fantasy questions that I get every year, especially at this time of year, it's a lot. And... I usually answer most of them, but fantasy is as prevalent as ever, and it was only right to bring someone like you on the podcast to answer some of those questions and much more, and fantasy drafts, they're starting to get into focus, so let's give people some insight and some information, and we'll start with this. Who is a player at the top of the draft, rounds one and round two, that you really like this year, and who's a player that you're not so high on? A player that I am higher than consensus on within the first couple of rounds is I'm, I'm largely in line with ADP within the first two rounds. But I would say that Julio Jones is a player that if you're using our rankings at EstablishTheRun.com is a player that you're going to get very often in the second round. The Falcons last year in the first year under Dirk Cutter led the NFL in pass attempts. This is a year where I think emphasizing continuity on offense is uh, going to be especially crucial because of the very extremely limited limited practice time, because of uh, no exhibition games. And the Falcons really have that, and I think that this is a passing game to bet on. They had that with Matt Ryan, with their OC. You know, they're, they're obviously their HC is coming back. Calvin Ridley. Uh, is coming back. They are returning, I believe, four of, or actually all five offensive line starters. And Julio Jones is a player that always makes it into the second round. When you look at the Falcons' passing game distribution, I think it's going to be top heavier than ever. Muhammad Sanu is gone. Austin Hooper was changed out for Hayden Hurst, who is going to have to deal with that limited practice time in order to uh, form an on-field bond with Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones don't need to form that on-field bond with Matt Ryan because they already have it. Um, And therefore, I think that the target distribution is going to be condensed at the top of the target tree in Atlanta. And these guys, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, are just going to absolutely feast in terms of volume. And that's, at the end of the day, really what we're looking for. We can debate talent 
all day long. But when, when players are getting bundles and bundles of opportunity, those guys are, are going to be much more likely to paint the box score with fantasy points. And Julio Jones, I think, is going to do that. Julio Jones now, though, is starting to get a little older. Uh, he's going to be 31 this year, and that has caused some concern. And I think that that's the, the main reason for why he is lasting into the second round so consistently. Uh, but we can capitalize on that fear uh, because otherwise he really checks almost every box for a wide receiver that is going to get bundles and bundles of volume. Yep, and Julio, who is in his 30s right now, still one of the top wide receivers in all of football. What about on the flip side? Who's a player who is going high right now in drafts and you are not so high on him in the 2020 fantasy season? I would say a player that is going a little bit too early. Well, let's talk about Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs because they are players that, hey, they're young, studly running backs, but they have and they do often go in the first round in, in common leagues, but I think that they belong in the second round because they are not going to get uh, the, the requisite receiving production to be able to compete with guys like up top, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, Dalvin Cook, uh, even Miles Sanders. I think Joe Mixon to some extent, Kenyon Drake during his eight game run with the Cardinals last year, he was on pace for almost 60 catches. Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs don't really have that in their range of potential outcomes. I think that their you know, likelier sweet spot will be somewhere between 20 and 30 receptions. And in a PPR league, which almost everyone plays in today, that's you know a 30 point deficit immediately when you're talking about guys that are probably gonna catch 50, 60 passes like, like Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake, um, and even potentially Joe Mixon. Um, Josh Jacobs only had 20 catches last year. He did only play in 13 games, but then the Raiders went out, they re-signed Jalen Richard, who ran more pass routes than did uh, Josh Jacobs last year. And they used a third round pick on Lynn Bowden. And that uh, is likely to cut into Josh Jacobs receiving usage as well. The Browns retained Kareem Hunt. They didn't necessarily need to retain him with a second round tender uh, as a restricted free agent, but they, they could have almost certainly kept him at the original round uh, level because he was a third round pick and very unlikely anybody was going to give up a third round pick for Kareem Hunt considering his off field. But, but they, but they gave him the second round tender and I think they're going to make him a really big part of the offense when he came off of suspension last year before Nick Chubb was averaging four targets per game. When uh, Kareem Hunt came off suspension, those targets shrank uh, in half from uh, four to 2.1 targets per game for Nick Chubb. So, look, these guys have elite running ability, I would say, in terms of, you know, if we were just going to rank running backs in terms of sheer rushing talent, um, I would have Nick Chubb and Nick and Josh Jacobs probably both in the top five. Uh, But from a fantasy standpoint, they are going to be at a disadvantage because they're not going to catch very many passes. Interesting. And, you know, you make a great point about Kareem Hunt getting the second round tender. Because when that happened, the first thing that came to my mind was that Kevin Stefanski is going to use him more. And, you know, we all love Nick Chubb and he's a special talent. But I do agree with you there. What about this? Who is your top player in fantasy? If you're drafting right now, is it McCaffrey? Is it Saquon? Because all these guys have new head coaches. All these guys have new offensive coordinators as well. Who's on top for you right now? It is McCaffrey pretty comfortably. I, I don't love the fact that they're changing uh, the coaching staff, but 
if you look at the coaching staff and the history of the coaching staff that is going to Carolina, particularly Joe Brady, their new OC, I mean, he was the guy that was, you know, engineering the offense in, at LSU last year, um, where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire caught 55 passes, the most in LSU history by a running back. And uh, he also worked under Sean Payton, uh, who has a, a tremendous history dating back to Darren Sproles and Pierre Thomas and now, you know, Alvin Kamara of making sure to feed his running back targets. And so I think that and, – and also uh, Joe Brady has a, a great history of playing up-tempo offense, of engineering an up-tempo offense and playing fast. And so I think that that really plays to the strengths of Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And I actually mentioned this with Field Yates last week that if there's one team in the NFL that I literally do not know what to expect from them, it actually is Carolina just because new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback, so many new faces in a year like this, in the circumstances that we are in, it is so complicated to know what to expect this season, but we all got to see last year what Christian McCaffrey can do. No reason not to expect him to put somewhat similar numbers again this year. For sure, a top pick in fantasy in 2020. You know, you are someone who is constantly updating your rankings on the site, and I've realized that. So, who are some mid to late round guys who you think are poised to have big seasons here in 2020? Well, no one is excited to draft veteran running backs on teams where a new a, a rookie has been a talented rookie has been added. So two guys that I like to take in the middle rounds as my running back depth, who I believe have more upside than where they are going relative to ADP, are Marlon Mack and Carryon Johnson. First of all, we know that both guys are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Mack was top 10 in the NFL in rushing yards per game last year. Carryon Johnson, when he's been healthy, which hasn't been very often, unfortunately, uh, but he's been a, a productive back. He can play in the passing game. He can run between the tackles. I think the Lions offense is underrated uh, this year. Last year, through eight games, they were on pace to finish top eight in the NFL in yards. I'm sorry, top eight uh, in scoring and top four in yards. And I think that because the rookies are coming in, uh, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor in this case, they're coming into situations where, you know, they, they're, they're just they're, – their head is swimming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're just trying to learn the offense. And I think that those veterans in this particular, maybe not in a normal year, I I wouldn't be as high on them, but this particular year, because of the climate, because of the environment, because of the lack of practice time and uh, complete lack of exhibition games, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, I think, are going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage early in the year. I think, you know, at some point, Jonathan Taylor is going to break off like a 75-yard touchdown run, and then he's going to start getting more touches. but I, I think that, to, you know, to open the season, I think we'll see a relatively even carry split between Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, the Colts have even come out and said this. Uh, and then also I think we'll see a relatively even split between Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. And Carrion Johnson and, and Marlon Mack during that, that, that time period are going to be usable RB2 slash flex plays. Yep, and just to add on to that, Marlon Mack is someone who is entering a contract year. We know the rule. Enter a contract year, have a good season, you have a good shot to get paid the next offseason, even though it does not always apply to running backs. What about on the flip side? Who are some guys you are avoiding in fantasy this year? Give me two or three guys who would fall into that category who you would not draft at their current ADP. 
Uh, Leonard Fournette is the guy that really stands out to me. A lot of people are just leaning on their, their projected volume for Leonard Fournette, but I think that the volume is just not going to be there like it was last year. He had 100 targets last year. We were on him last year. We, we, yeah. we told people to take him, and, I mean, he, he was the RB7 overall, uh, and we had him RB13, and his ADP, I think, was RB15. So, you know, we were above ADP, and we got that right. Uh, but, you know, the Jaguars tried to trade Leonard Fournette. No teams were willing to give up as much, you know, even so much as like a, a late round pick for him. They declined Leonard Fournette's option. They brought in Chris Thompson, who knows the new OC, Jay Gruden, uh, from Washington, and is almost certainly going to eat into those targets and catches of Leonard Fournette's from last year. And then you have the fact that Leonard Fournette is playing on what projects to be the worst team in the NFL, the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. uh, and Leonard Fournette really just, I mean, he, he hasn't panned out. I mean, I, I think you could say that he's been close to a bust. Um, and the Jaguars certainly agree, considering they didn't exercise his, his fifth-year option, try to trade him. So, and, and I think he's going to really struggle for rushing efficiency. This is a team that's going to be playing from behind quite a bit. Uh, again, Chris Thompson is going to contribute in the passing game. And I, I think that the volume that people are, when I mean, people are sort of just copy and pasting the, the volume that Leonard Fournette got last year onto this year. And I think that that's a mistake. Yeah, Leonard Fournette, you know, I actually did a draft last week of a few buddies just to get prepared here for fantasy season. And Leonard Fournette won in the third round. And based off what you just said, I think that's too high. And I'm assuming you would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I did a draft this weekend where he went uh, in the second round. Yeah, um, He consistently goes in, in the third round. I think that once you start to get in the fourth and fifth round, if he's still there, you know, you can consider him. But um, I, I think he's got a, a really, really low floor. I'm not entirely sold that he's going to spend the entire year on the Jaguars. He could, you know, be traded or, or moved into a, a situation where he is, you know, not what looks like a bell cow on paper and is used as more of a committee back. So there's just, there's just a lot of uncertainty, I think, with, with Leonard Fournette, a lot more uncertainty than the people that are drafting him in the second, third round are willing to acknowledge. Yep, and it's not even just Fournette. You know, a guy like Anik Ngakwe, who has not even reported to camp yet, he's someone who does not want to be there. Fournette, of course, is someone who was being shopped this offseason. So there's a lot of question marks here involving this Jaguars team. <clears throat> What about this? This yeah, is a question. I'll tell you what, Ari, the amount of defensive talent that the Jaguars have parted with over yeah, the last insane. like two years is incredible. From Jalen Ramsey to Calais Campbell to losing Telvin Smith to trading AJ Boye, you know, um, Yannick Ngakwe, it still seems like he is on the trade block um, and, and could be moved at any time. And uh, Marcel Darius, they, I mean, they, their, their, their defense was truly elite a couple years ago and, I think it looks like a bottom five unit on paper right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, just the, the game script, the negative game scripts playing from behind, uh, I think are going to be very, very commonplace for the Jaguars, whose win total at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is four and a half, the lowest in the league. Mm -hmm. Yep, they've also lost Dante Fowler, Malik Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson, Barry Church. Um, you know what they say, NFL equals not for long, that 2017 AFC Championship game for the Jaguars, you know, it, it feels like it was yesterday, but man, so much has changed ever since then. You know, one of the biggest questions, or one of the main questions that I get on Twitter when it comes to fantasy, and it's a very simple question, it is, who are some fantasy sleepers for the upcoming season? Who do you have as a sleeper fantasy pick in 2020? Well, 
when Damian Williams opted out, that had a, you know, a trickle-down effect throughout uh, the Kansas City offense because I, I think he was going to open the season averaging right around 10 to 12 touches a game. Mm-hmm. Certainly Clyde Edwards-Hilaire elevated from that, and now he should be a consensus first-round pick. We have him as the number eight or number 10 or overall player somewhere in there. But if you look down the depth chart in Kansas City a little bit, DeAndre Washington uh, looks like he is going to be the favorite for number two back work in Kansas City. And this is an offense that I think if they do use two backs, can support two backs as fantasy options. We could have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as you know an RB1, and then we could have DeAndre Washington contributing as a flex play. And then if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire you know, pulls a hamstring and misses a few weeks, DeAndre Washington steps into an absolute gold rush of uh, fantasy potential. Uh, and then if you look even further down the depth chart, Darwin Thompson, I think, is a guy that you can take uh, very late in drafts and has a little bit of upside. He's a player that had, um, had a bunch of hype uh, last season. Mm-hmm. And so he would be sort of like a post-hype sleeper. Uh, but looking at really good offenses, you know, not digging into offenses like the Jaguars, but digging into offenses like Kansas City, um, and, and, and even Baltimore, where, you know, J.K. Dobbins, I think, is, is going to be really, really interesting. He's sort of a, in, the, in a similar position to uh, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, but he's cheaper in drafts than those guys, generally speaking. So, in, you know, looking at the good offenses that are going to score a lot of touchdowns, touchdowns really move the needle mm-hmm. uh, in fantasy football. And so looking at those really good offenses and trying to find sleepers in those, I think is the, w- the best way to go. Interesting. You know, I actually asked a similar question last week to Field Yates, and he said David Johnson of the Texans. And his answer kind of made sense because he was part of that trade for DeAndre Hopkins. And as he said, um, the Texans have to sleep in the bed they made. Where do you have David Johnson in your running back rankings? I have him right around RB21, RB22. Um, he played pretty well in the first six games last year before he got hurt. He suffered a back injury, which, you know, back injuries are rough for athletes. Um, you know, I, used to, I did a podcast for like five or six years with Ross Tucker, and Ross Tucker, whenever a dude would suffer a back injury, he'd be like, be, you know, be, buyer beware, and he was, you know, like 90% hit rate. Um, when David Johnson came back from his back injury, he looked like he – had a piano on his back. I mean, he, you know, he, he was not moving um, at, a, at an efficient rate. And Kenyon Drake essentially, you know, stole the job uh, in Arizona from David Johnson. So I think a lot of it is going to come down to health. And that is very uncertain with David Johnson. I do think that that offense is going to put up points. You know, they're, they're, they're orchestrated by Deshaun Watson. They're bringing back all five offensive line starters. It's a really young offensive line that could take a leap, I believe. Uh, in its uh, first full year together. So I think that there are some positives to David Johnson, but that health uh, is so uncertain with him. Uh, But I I mean, I get the arguments behind him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked it just because, again, we're all going to talk about that DeAndre Hopkins trade, the return they got. Bill O'Brien went out and got David Johnson. So I'm assuming he's going to be used a lot. And Field said he could see him catching 80 balls next year. And again, he said he could be way off on this, but I kind of liked his reasoning behind it. 
And that's really what we're expecting out of a sleeper. You never know, but there is some potential there for him to do great things, especially if he's going to be used the way he once was used back in Arizona. One more thing that I did ask Field here last week, and I want to get your take as well, is that we saw a bunch of rookie skill positions taken in the draft, running backs, receivers. Who are some that you think will be fantasy relevant in 2020? The first three guys that come to mind when you ask about rookies, specifically rookie receivers, are Jalen Rieger, Henry Ruggs, and Brandon Ayuk. And they have all sort of had, you know, things sort of working in their favor already. Uh, I do think that, you know, the, the rookies this year, for reasons explained previously, carry uh, enhanced risk this year. But these particular players like Jalen Rieger, you know, Alshon, Started this is starting is probably going to start the season on reserve PUP. Yes, uh, Marquise Goodwin opted out. Mm-hmm. Um, Deshaun Jackson, you know, sort of got got into some hot water mm-hmm. during the off season. I think that his um, his status on the team is. I don't know, it seems like the Eagles are you know just sort of um, they're they're not going to let him go, but you know that could change at the at the drop of a hat. Uh, but I think that Jalen Rieger, who uh, Adam Kaplan. Uh, longtime Eagles uh, Eagles reporter, uh, believe you know, he's said that he thinks Jalen Rieger is going to lead the Eagles in uh, all their receivers and, and snaps and targets. Um, and I, I, I tend to lean toward what what Adam Kaplan is predicting. And I think that Jalen Rieger, really really explosive uh, perimeter receiver, who I do think that they'll move into the slot a little bit, um, is an excellent like wide receiver four pick with upside. Henry Ruggs, it looks like he's going to be. Uh, used sort of in that Deshaun Jackson slash Tyreek Hill uh, way where he's going to be playing in the slot half the time, playing outside half the time, uh, and they're going to manufacture him touches when he's in the slot, when he's close to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to throw him deep balls when he's out out wide. Uh, and I think that he is, is really interesting for where he goes. And then Brandon Ayuk, um, you know, the situation with Debo Samuel, the situation with Debo Samuel is that he looks like he could open the season on reserve PUP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he suffered a Jones fracture. That's that's a bad injury that has a, a really long history of uh, recurrence. And um, Brandon Ayuk is now kind of thrust into that, uh, potentially that wide receiver one role in San Francisco. This is a player that the 49ers, number one, traded up to go get. Mm-hmm. But number two, there were reports that emanated after the draft that yeah, they actually – might have taken him at number 14 overall mm-hmm. if Javon Kinlaw had not made it to number 14. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan just loves, loves him. Great after catch receiver. He was uh, number one in the nation in yards after contact and number three in the nation in yards after the reception last year. Fits that, fits that San Francisco offense like a glove. Yep, and actually Kyle Shanahan actually confirmed that to Chris Sims that if Kinlaw wasn't there at 13 and traded to 14, they were prepared to take Ayuk there. He said he was sweating it out until he got to them. And they, they were forced to trade up because he was really scared that I think it was the Packers who he thought yeah, they were going to Green take. Bay, right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that says a lot. We all know how, how much Kyle Shanahan loves his weapons. I mean, I think Brandon Ayuk, I agree with you. He's someone who has a lot of potential to do stuff this year in his rookie season. I do want to ask you about one team in particular, actually two teams I want to touch base on. First up, it is Tampa Bay. What is your take on this offense with Tom Brady coming in? Because I feel like there's a lot of mouths to feed. How do you see this team from a fantasy perspective? Well, the Tampa Bay offense is an offense that about which 
um, a lot of our, you know, our guys that established the run from the projection, the stat projection staff to Adam Levitan to I um, have debated about uh, because we, we don't think that the offense is going to look like it did really anything like it did with Jameis Winston, where it was a constant state of urgency. They had, you know, he was, Jameis Winston was given the ball to the other team. The Bucks had to, you know, uh, compensate for that by playing with an extreme amount of urgency. And Tom Brady is like the, the anti Jameis Winston in that, you know, they're going to go from turning the ball over like 40 times to, you know, maybe like 10 times this yeah. year. And that, that's a big, big change going from a, a super, super uh, high risk, you know, turnover, high variance quarterback in Jameis Winston to the ultimate, you know, for lack of a better term, game manager, you know, yeah. the, the, the plus plus game manager in Tom Brady, who's not going to give the ball to the other team at the same time. I think that this team could score a lot of touchdowns because I really like their defense, number one. Um, Their defense in the the back half of last year and the first year of Todd Bowles just exploded uh, in the second half. They've got two bookend pass rushers in Jason Pierre-Paul and and Shaq Barrett. They're massive on the interior with Vita Vea and um, and Ndamukong Sue. And their linebackers are really athletic. They they essentially can use, like Levante David and uh, Devin Devin Smith. Devin White. uh, Devin, yeah, you know, th- those guys can roam sideline to sideline behind those big space eaters. Uh, and in the back end, I think they've got uh, enough talent. Jamel Dean was a guy who kind of emerged as a borderline shutdown corner last year. They've got a lot of young talent in the secondary. I think that they're going to be a top five defense this year. And that's going to lead to a lot of short fields for the Buccaneers, who I think are just going to like live in opponents' red zones. And they have big time red zone targets in Rob Gronkowski and, um, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and even O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Um, so I think that they're going to have a lot of short fields and have a chance to score a lot of touchdowns. And that could make up for the lack of uh, fewer uh, pass attempts and less urgency just just on sheer touchdown volume. Yeah, and I actually had Rob's brother, Chris, here on the podcast. And one of the things that he told me was that Rob is most excited about being in a place where he won't be double covered all the time, right? Like he always had that in New England and now you're entering a situation where there is Mike Evans and there is Chris Godwin and there is OJ Howard and there is Cameron Gray. Like that is the one thing he's most excited about. And the other thing that you mentioned is the defense. I've been saying this for a while. That defense is super talented. We saw it at the end of last year, as you said, and I've said this over and over, Levante David is one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL. He's been doing it for a very long time, up there as one of the best linebackers in all of football, and he gets no respect whatsoever, no national recognition at all. So I do agree with you there. The defense will be great. The offense will have short fields. They will be prolific. And we've seen the pictures. We've seen the videos of Tom working out with his guys. Even before the NFLPA was okay with it, they are all in there in Tampa Bay. The other team that I wanted to talk to you about was the New York Giants, right? With a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and Jason Garrett. Besides for the fumbles, I was you know, I was fine with Daniel Jones in his rookie year. I actually liked what I saw. His skilled players are pretty decent, right? With Tate, Shepard, Ingram, Slayton, and of course, Barkley. I find this offense to be very intriguing. How do you see it playing out from a fantasy perspective? 
No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, began the off season or really ended last season thinking um, that we were going to be really high on the Giants offense um, for all the reasons that you mentioned. Daniel Jones, he fumbled 18 times the most in the league, but that's typically a, a quarterback statistic that they can fix real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw what Darius Slayton did uh, from, a, you know, just a big play standpoint last year. Golden Tate was, you know, as steady as ever. Sterling Shepard, his concussions are, are starting to become a concern. He's had three since the uh, 2018 preseason, but we know he's a good player. Evan Ingram was a, uh, is coming off Liz Frank surgery, but he was able to avoid active PUP to open the season. And we saw what Saquon Barkley did when he was healthy. He absolutely smashed. He dealt with that high ankle sprain for most of last year, but over the last three games, he had over 500 yards from scrimmage, five touchdowns. And, you know, we, we obviously anticipate him being healthy this year. They got a, they took a blow when Nate Solder opted out. Mm-hmm. Um, their center situation is a huge concern. It looks like Spencer Pulley is going to be the guy that they lean on to start there. And, and that's, that's a big issue. The biggest issue to me for the Giants is how are they going to play on offense under Jason Garrett? Uh, because Jason Garrett, historically, when you know, he was in mostly full control of the Cowboys offense, he ran at a very, very, he ran the offense at a very, very slow pace. They wanted to play ball control. They wanted to protect their defense, which was deficient uh, in those years. And now the Giants defense looks like it could be one of the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. So if he plays that way, there's just going to be a lot less play volume for all these guys. Uh, the good news is that Tate and Shepard in particular are, they're, they're cheap to, to draft. Uh, Evan Ingram is still pretty cheap. He's a top five receiving tight end when healthy. I realize that he hasn't been healthy uh, enough recently, but he's pretty affordable in drafts. Daniel Jones is also pretty affordable in drafts. Um, but then the, the, the second big concern for the Giants, and I'm going to pull, pulling up their schedule right now, is the way that they start out. Because, okay, week one against the Steelers, I mean, that's probably a top two defense. Yeah. And they go on the road to face uh, the Bears at Soldier Field. That's not going to be an instance where we're looking to start Giants and uh, on our fantasy teams. And then week three, uh, they face the 49ers. Ouch. So that, that is as difficult as you could draw it up in weeks one through three. And you're, you're largely not going to be able to use members of their passing game in those games. So they could start slow. And, you know, I don't know exactly what to expect from Jason Garrett, but his history suggests that uh, they, they may lack a considerable amount of, of play volume just because of the way that he likes to play ball control offense. Interesting. That's a great point that you make there with the schedule because that is pretty bad. It's Pittsburgh. Um, who's the middle team you mentioned? There's San Francisco at three. Who's number two there for them? Yeah, Pittsburgh, the Bears, oh, yeah. and then the 49ers. Yeah, that, that's, that's a pretty brutal schedule to start right. when it comes to fantasy. But um, I am intrigued by this offense just because there is talent there year two for Daniel Jones. But again, you mentioned that schedule. It's a pretty brutal start to the year. Definitely something to keep an eye on when you're drafting your fantasy teams. I do want to ask a couple of general questions here because we're living in this world with COVID. Is there a strategy that you would recommend to people in fantasy this year where COVID does exist and things will be much different compared to other years? Yeah, I would just say the emphasis of continuity, understanding which offenses are, you know, returning 
a lot of offensive line starters. I mean, for years and years, old coaches like Dick Vermeil have been talking about how offensive linemen don't get enough practice time. And that was when they had four exhibition games in a full training camp, you know, and, and, and Dick Vermeil has talked about how like, you know, the technique of, of offensive line play has just disintegrated and that's going to be especially, you know, emphasized probably or accentuated this year uh, by the, the times that we're living in. And then, you know, understanding which co which coach coaching staffs are returning, understanding, you know, quarterbacks that have already developed rapports and chemistry with pass catchers. Uh, and then again, you know, looking at guys like carry on carry on Johnson and Marlon Mack, who you might not usually be super excited about, uh, but might be in, in a lot better situations this year because they already understand the offense. They're going to know where to be. They're going to, they're going to know, you know, where to go execute the pass block and Deandre Swift and Jonathan Taylor are, are going to be guys that are sort of swimming in that area. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're really never going to have a fantasy season like the one we're going to have this year. It could just happen, you know, any random Saturday and a player tests positive, boom, you got to change stuff. So people are going to have to be tracking stuff up to the minute this year just because so much could change any given week. Um, I want to ask you this as well. You know, you've been doing this for a very long time. We've become a fantasy football society what's the biggest change you've seen in fantasy over all these years what has changed the most in your mind just the exponential growth of football coverage really be and it's not just for fans that you know are excited about their team it's for people that are playing fantasy and need that information you know and i, I sometimes tell the story of uh, when i first started at roto world in like 06 or 07 we had um, one off season where for like two or three months, we didn't do a single well, at Roto world. Of course it's, it's driven by uh, the news blurbs mm -hmm. and we did not have a single Raiders news blurb uh, for like two or three <laughs> months because all the guys that were on the Raiders beat, they went and covered like the golden state warriors or, or something, or, you know, mm -hmm. some other sport, like there was really, you know, they considered there to be like nothing really to cover. Um, but now there's year round coverage, you know, and, there's articles that come out every day on every team. Uh, and it, it just, the, the coverage of the sport has exploded uh, in a pretty short amount of time. You know, now, I mean, shoot, there's 20 Eagles beat writers. Right. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's six uh, Raiders beat writers that do not go cover the Golden State Warriors when the Raiders season is done. You know, every team is covered really, really intensely. And, uh, and so we, we get a lot more information, although this year, just because, you know, reporters are not going to have nearly the same access, there aren't even that many practices really to cover. Um, we're almost going back to the dark ages yeah. uh, this year, and it's going to be a little bit like the wild, wild west. Do you think in a few years from now, fantasy will overtake the popularity of the actual sport of football? I've been thinking about this the last few years. What do you think? Do you think that could happen? I, I might even state that it already has. Yeah, um, I'm thinking that. I didn't really know if that would be a hot take or not, but I might agree with you. Mark Cuban has actually spoken about this. Mark Cuban, of course, really, really smart guy. You know, he he's like the reason that the that football has such a, an advantage has become America's sport is be, is almost solely because of fantasy football. Um, it's it's not necessarily because of the the fans of teams. It's because of fantasy football, and you know he said publicly like, hey, if you guys didn't have fantasy football, 
you know, you, you guys wouldn't be acting so because the other leagues sort of look at the NFL as, you know, sort of being a, at the top of the mountain and like knowing that they're at the top of the mountain and operating uh -huh. like they're at the top of the mountain. Um, and they are. But Mark Cuban has pointed out that it's very, very, very much driven by fantasy football, uh, you know, singularly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think fantasy has for sure fueled the popularity of the sport, and it's not even close. I've said this before here on the podcast. Football is the number one sport in America, and fantasy football is number two. I actually said that last week with Field Yates, and there has been just such a dramatic shift in fantasy. Like, even on Twitter, go look at Twitter. There are more people asking fantasy questions than there are people asking questions about their favorite team. Like, even here in New York, People are not stopping me to ask questions about the Giants or the Jets. They're asking questions about the fantasy team. Who to start, who to bench, who to pick up. Like, it has just changed so much. It has changed the way people consume football. It really has. All right. Um, I want to shift over to this because, as I said in the beginning, I'm really impressed with the work you're doing. I've been following it for several years. I want to ask a few questions about yourself. When did you start all of this? Like, when did you begin doing what you do right now? Um, in like 05 uh, slash 06, I read Roto World throughout college. You know, I'd go to the library in college and I wouldn't do work, you know, school stuff. I would go on Roto World. And, uh, and then I, I, I was going to go to law school. I, you know, took an LSAT class, took the LSAT. And I was just like, man, I never want to walk to a, a class at eight, eight, eight in the morning ever again. And I was just like, I'm done with school. You know, so I started, um, I was like doing some construction on the side. I uh, emailed uh, Greg Rosenthal at the time uh, who was running Roto World. And he gave me a shot at work for free for like six months. Uh, they, fired, they, they hired me full time after that. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, we got bought by NBC and then uh, Rosenthal like moved up to pro football talk and then he moved on to NFL network. And mm -hmm. I sort of just followed in his path. Interesting. So you were with Roto world that entire time. And that was until two years ago um, or last year uh, until uh, this past year, I left Roto world to uh, start a business called establish the run right. with, um, with Adam Levitan and, and a couple other guys. So, yes, I want to talk about EstablishedToRun.com because I do find it to be very impressive and I've been following it. I've listened to some podcast episodes as well. It's not just you and Adam. There's a whole group of guys there who are producing football content on a consistent basis and there's always new stuff coming up. Um, when did you decide to start this, do something on your own, and just let people know as well just um, where to find all your stuff? Because, again, as soon as a reporter put something out, a B reporter put something out, you are always constantly updating your stuff on the site. You are on top of it. I've realized that. So let people know about that as well. Yeah, well, in like 2014, I uh, signed a five-year contract and uh, heads up to anyone, don't sign five-year contracts. Um, but I had to play that out. And about a year before my final year uh, on my, my deal, um, you know, I started to really think about going out and, and taking a chance on myself. I'm, you know, uh, mid, mid starting to get to nearing late thirties. I have, you know, a kid, um, and I, I wanted to take a chance to, you know, take a chance on myself to maybe potentially like change my life. And, um, 
you know, I did take that chance and we had an, an absolutely awesome first year. Year two is not going to be as good. We, we've already come to terms with that because yeah. people just aren't buying stuff at the same rate. Um, but, you know, and, and we, we do do a subscription service. We have a ton of free content, but, um, you know, our main packages, especially during the season, are, and we have a draft kit that costs 35 bucks, although you get a $25 coupon yeah. uh, to FFPC to play a draft of your choice. It's really, really only costs you 10 bucks. Um, but yeah, we, we are primarily a, a subscription service. But yeah, I mean, that, that's how it kind of all came together, just wanting to take a chance on myself. And I felt like I had a high floor too, because if it didn't work out with the business, then I think I could get a job, you know, working for, um, you know, another, another company um, if it came to that. But that's how it kind of all came together. You know, I worked with Adam Levitan for five, six, seven years at Roto World. We had a really, really good rapport. And um, we, we wanted to start our own thing. And so that's what we did. Interesting. And as I said before, like, I've been following the work for several years before we even did establish the run. It is great work, fascinating work. You're guaranteed to learn stuff about football. Again, establishtherun.com, establish the run podcast. Go check that out. All right, let's wrap this up here with a quick five. We do this every week. And this week, what I want to do, I'm going to give you five names, five random players. Let me know what you think of them from a fantasy perspective for this upcoming season. And number one, a player on a new team, it is Bill's wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. So historically, even in years that are unlike this, even in normal years, wide receivers that are changing teams tend to carry a little bit more risk. A good example would be Odell Beckham mm -hmm. uh, from last year. You know, just and I understand that he had a you know sports hernia and he needed to have surgery after the season. He wasn't he wasn't his usual self. But you know, the chemistry and the rapport was just not there with Baker Mayfield. And I you know you listen to like Kurt Warner talk and he'll talk. It, it usually takes about like a full year for him to fully grab know where guys are going to be, know how they like to run their routes. And I, I think that it could be a relatively slow year for Stefan Diggs individually. You know, this is not going to be a big time passing offense. Um, you know, in terms of attempts or efficiency, I think it was a great addition for the Bills uh, in real life. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of down on Stefan Diggs. I, I love him as a player, but I think it's going to take a, I think this is like we, we fade him this year and then maybe we buy on him next year after, you know, everyone's down on him and, and his ADP is lower. Mm -hmm. So number two here on my list is Odell Beckham Jr. Are you high on him this year as he enters year two of Baker Mayfield, but with a new head coach? I'm right in line with ADP on Odell Beckham. He's going to be healthier. Um, he, I, his ADP is like wide receiver 12. That's exactly where I have him. Um, I do have, like, I've taken him a couple times uh, in drafts, not, not heavy, but you know, the, what they're going to be doing in Cleveland is they're going to be running a play action heavy offense. Last year, Kevin Stefanski in, in Minnesota, they finished top five in play action rate. And I mean, Odell Beckham is going to be the target on the, you know, the, the high, low reads. Uh, the low read is going to be like, you know, Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry. The high read almost every single time, because they don't really have another deep threat on the roster, is going to be Odell Beckham. So I think that he's going to have the chance to make a lot of big plays. And so I, I'm not really taking a, a, a super strong or a soft stance on him. I'm sort of just right in the middle with him. Uh -huh. So you're in the middle there with Odell Beckham Jr. The next guy I want to bring up here is someone who... You know, they drafted C.D. Lamb. They have Michael Gallup. What are your thoughts on Amari Cooper this year in fantasy? 
Yeah, for Omari Cooper, it's just it's elementary. I, I think for me, he's the number one receiver in a top five passing offense that has a great schedule that is going to have to account for, uh, I think, a weak defense um, that is going to play up tempo. Uh, they they started to really play up tempo last year under Kellen Moore. They kept him, and it sounds like they're going to uh, definitely keep all the passing game concepts in place uh, under Mike McCarthy. He's not changing anything. There really isn't time to change a whole lot. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I like that nucleus uh, in Dallas. I think that Amari Cooper actually, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are both undervalued. Amari Cooper's ADP is like wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14. We have him as wide receiver six. Mm. Michael Gallup's ADP is like wide receiver 32. We have him, I think, wide receiver 25. Um, we're a little bit lower than consensus on CD Lamb. And then – uh, the tight end, Blake Jarwin, we think is pretty interesting as a, as a tight end, too, with upside. He's going to be able, like they're pulling out Randall Cobb and Jason Witten and right. inserting C.D. Lamb and uh, increasing Blake Jarwin's role. I mean, they're just going to be a lot more explosive uh, in, in the ancillary passing game. But up top in the, in the target distribution, I mean, these guys are going to score touchdowns. Like the Cowboys are going to score a lot of touchdowns this year. And um, Amari Cooper uh, is, is at the top of that, that target pecking order. Um, and for, what, for whatever reason, you know, people, I guess, hold some of his Oakland years against him. He has crushed yeah. ever since they acquired him at midseason in, was it 2018? Uh, yeah. This will be only his second full season with Dak Prescott. He was the wide receiver seven overall last year. Uh, and uh, to me, he's, I mean, he, he's one of my highest owned wide receivers. I, I love Amari Cooper this year. All right, so you're high on Amari Cooper. You're high on the Cowboys offense overall. Cooper, of course, got there in 2018. They rewarded him this offseason with a five-year, $100 million deal to stay in Dallas. He actually got more money, offered more money from Washington. He said, no, I want to stay here in Dallas. Number four, the guy I have over here is someone who I've been going back and forth on. So what do you think of new Falcons running back? Todd Gurley. Yeah, he's a tough one. We are a little bit below consensus on Todd Gurley. I like the offensive environment that he went into. Again, I think Atlanta is going to score a lot of points. I think that he's going to catch more passes than he did last year in, in, in Los Angeles. He had really a bad year uh, as a receiver last season, but I think that they'll get him involved in the passing game in Atlanta. The thing is that I just worry, like, could that knee explode? Uh, at any time, you know. So I've actually taken some Brian Hill super late in, in some deep drafts um, to sort of hedge against that. I, I really haven't gotten almost any Todd Gurley. Uh, I think that the upside, I think he's a boomer bust player. I think that the upside is there because of the offense that he's going to, but he's got a real low floor because I'm still not sure that we can trust his health. And he did play, I think, 15 games last year. Yeah. By the end of the season, he was back to being an every down running back with the Rams. The, his, his knee problem is considered to be degenerative and, you know, that he's going to deal with our arthritis at some point. And you wonder, you know, going to play in the dome on turf, is that going to have a negative impact? Because he's played on grass and he played on yeah. grass at, at Georgia. He played on grass uh, in Los Angeles. Um, could that have a, an adverse effect on his knee? At the end of the day, I think he's just, he's a boom. You know what you're getting into with Todd Gurley. I think, you know, he's got upside, but he's got a really low floor and he's a boomer bust pick. 
All right, and for me, if I'm taking Todd Gurley, I'm probably also taking his backup as well in my draft. Last one here for me, here, number five, is someone who is not on an NFL roster right now. It is Antonio Brown with the A-game suspension. Are you someone who might snag him in the late rounds and then stash him on your bench? No, no. I, I did draft him earlier this offseason. It was before his suspension was announced. I was hope, hopeful that it would – not hopeful, but hopeful from a, a fantasy perspective. <laughs> you know, you know he, he, he deserves whatever he gets. But yeah. from a fantasy standpoint, you know, I, I took him in like the 13th or 14th round of the Scott Fish Bowl, which is a pretty popular uh, fa- big fantasy tournament with thousands of players. Um, took him in the 13th or 14th round in the hopes that his suspension would be only four to six games. It came out to be eight games. We're probably just going to end up dropping him early in the season. And I would, I, I would advise it, it against drafting Antonio Brown. Uh, that suspension is just too long. I mean, who knows if there's even going to be a season when he's eligible to return. He doesn't have a team. You know, I, I he, he threatened to retire again. Like, yeah. you know, I, I would suggest not, not drafting him, even really late. Yeah, it's an A-game suspension, and it actually could be more. Um, just because the NFL is actually not done investigating him, there might be an added suspension on top of the eight that he already has. So a lot of risk there, as you mentioned, if you're considering taking Antonio Brown. All right, Evan, before I let you go, one more time, please let everyone know where they can find you here as we get closer and closer to the NFL season. They can find me... Uh... Uh, well, you can find us at, at Establish the Run on Twitter, EstablishTheRun.com. On the internet, me at Evan Silva, uh, my, my compadre, Adam Levitan, at Adam Levitan. He's a great uh, source for, for news and notes. And, you know, again, are a really big admirer of your work and your podcast. And you're an excellent Twitter follow as well. Um, so thanks again so much for having me on, man. Special thanks to Evan Silva for coming on the podcast this week. Again, go follow him on Twitter. It is at Evan Silva. And if you can, go show some support to EstablishTheRun.com. I mean, the work that he and the rest of the crew do there, it is just tremendous. And it's just a great source for everything fantasy related, whether it is season long or DFS. So go check that out. Also, as the season does get closer and fantasy drafts start coming into focus, If you do have any questions, leave them in the reviews and there should be more fantasy guests here in the near future. As always, make sure you're following the My Sports Update Twitter page and have notifications on so you don't miss any updates around the NFL. Before I wrap this up, I want to remind everyone that with Sports Back, there is no better place to start wagering than with our partners, betonline.ag. Go check out all the odds futures and props to bet on it is all available 24 7 visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news remember to use the promo code bluewire b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e to receive your new welcome bonus that does it here for this week's my sports update football podcast thank you all for listening Thank you all for downloading. I am your host, Ari Marov. I'll be back with another special guest on next week's episode. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you all next week.
This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat.